What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Multi Goodness Podcast, where we talk all things beer. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle Banky, sitting next to the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Tooten. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing fantastic. Doing I'm, fantastic. That's great, man. I've got a short week at work. Short week? week? Yeah. yeah. I'm, out, I'm, I'm out later on this week, so I cannot complain. And I got beer in front of me, so. Boom. Can't <laughs> complain at all, man. Um, remember, you can always stay up to date on all things multi-goodness at our website, multigoodness.com, or on our social channels, uh, Facebook at multi-goodness and Instagram at multi-goodness-podcast. Um, you can also find us now on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music Store. Um, we are now officially up and running yeah. and live, which is awesome. This is a, this is a huge episode because at this point in time... When you're listening to this, we'll we'll be on all those. So this is this is pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. So we're, we're famous now. I like yeah, this. Uh, apparently, uh, <laughs> so go ahead and head over to any one of your preferred podcast services. Uh, hit that subscribe button so you can be stay up to date with all things multi goodness and be ready when we launch new episodes. So before we get into the meat of the show, Chris, let's start with our favorite segment. Where we open a beer right here for all of us to enjoy. What are we drinking today, Chris? We are drinking um, a very near and dear beer to the state of Georgia. This is Laughing Skull by, I was going to say the one, the only, but it is by Atlanta Brewing Company. Um, So let's go ahead and crack this thing, actually. Let's do it ceremonially. One, two. Um, Yeah, so this beer is by Atlanta Brewing Company, um, formerly known as, for a brief period, Red Brick Brewing, out of Atlanta, Georgia, which they actually have a really, uh, really deep history in the state. Did you know, Kyle, they are the oldest craft brewery in the state of Georgia? I did actually know that. Okay, well, (laughs) listeners, did you know that? No. So, yeah, they were, um, 1993 is how long they've been around, and uh, real quick, so they... This beer, we'll talk about it real quick. We said what it was. It's Laughing Skull. It's an amber ale. It weighs in. It's it's not too heavy. It's 5.3%. And this is in a 12-ounce 12, 12 can. It does typically come in a, uh, a six-pack. Or also, this one's on draft. And I think you've got a little bit of the history on this beer because it's 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 quite uh, quite steep in it. So what, what do we got? Yeah. Um, I was interested when I saw this because I've had it before. Um, so I kind of did a little bit of research on it because I was very interested in it. And um, I was reading on their website that they had a story about how this beer came to fruition. In 1994, um, three siblings kind of walked into Atlanta Brewing Company, formerly known as Red Brick, and um, got a tour from the founder of the brewery who happened to be working that night. And um, they poured a couple pints afterwards and raised their glasses and, you know, cheers, took a drink, and uh, they were actually drinking this beer, um, which they then, um, you know, started a working relationship together. And um, I believe they... Are now it's a contract brew. They contract yeah, brew it out. It's it's actually the house brew for the Vortex, which is really cool spot. Um, and in Little Five Points in Atlanta, it's it's they've actually got two locations. That's the original one. This is this is actually the house brew. It's expanded so much to the point they've actually got three different variations of this beer now. Which this one we're drinking, which I think there's a little bit of a story to go along with it. We can talk about in a second. But this is the original. This is the Ambriel. 
Um, they've also got the, uh, I it's a normal lager, but it, they've got the uh, lager. It's a blue can. I, I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now. But and then they've also got the wit beer, which is which is cool. I've had all three. Um, really good beers, all of them. So I think that it's really expanded. Now they've only come out with those last two in the last few years. Um, I want to say probably about four or five years ago is when yep. they first started producing those. Um, but this one is, is this, this is the second, did I hear you say earlier, this is the second reincarnation or the first, I guess, re, first this reincarnation. This is the but. first reincarnation of this beer. Hmm. It's, yeah, I mean, it's still, so it's real quick and we'll go into some of our basics. I mean, it's, it's an ambriel. It's, it's a real good ambriel. Um, I count, Kyle, I don't know if you've had a chance to take a sip yet, but it's, what are your first thoughts? Uh, I like it a lot. It's really clean. Um, it's got this nice sweet quality that I like when drinking ambers. But it's not overly sweet, um, and it's extremely balanced when it comes to the flavor. Yeah, um, a lot of times these ambers have the <clears throat> almost like pecan, um, pecan, pecan, however you want to pronounce it. We're in tomato, we're in, tomato. We're, we're in Georgia, so I'm going to say pecan. Um, but it's it's almost got that nutty character to it, not too roasty like you'll get with a lot of your stouts and whatnot. But it's it's. Very smooth, easy drinking, not too hop forward, but just the right amount of hops. Um, you know, that's very similar to what would be kind of a Munich style lager, but this is definitely an ale. Yeah. Um, I tend to like ales more than lagers, and so, and I like, I, <laughs> I like what I'm getting so far. Um, so yeah, this is this is definitely an easy drinking beer. At five point three, it's it's really again, it's another great summer beer. I mean, you can yeah. you can pick up a six pack tailgating of this. And, oh, tailgating, yeah, I mean, would be great. Yep, um, barbecuing, anything really. Yeah, in, I mean, in the sun outdoors would be great. <laughs> we've got we're kind of in that lull month of what February where there aren't a whole lot of sports going on, at least not down here in the south. So. We don't have well, many basketball, but we don't talk about the Hawks. So as of the release date of this episode, they are unfortunately currently in last. So we don't talk too much about that. No, not but um, so so we haven't talked too much about the can yet. So the can's pretty psychedelic to start out with. Yeah, least. Uh, got that skull right on the front um, with some wicked red stripes kind of rotating out of it and uh, black can, which I have to give it up the black can is super underrated and i don't feel like you see a lot of black can beers you're right you don't it's I think, very interesting. i think we pointed out that pretty much all the cans we did in the last episode were white or had you or know white with some color splashed on and they were light this is we immediately went the opposite direction with this one and started with a, a black can beer with red um and it's the Laughing Skull brand. I'm going to talk real quick about that Laughing Skull brand. It's it's like Atlanta Brewing Company realized that hey, there's kind of a cult following. I mean, the Vortex. I mentioned that earlier. There, it's got, in my opinion, one of the best burgers in town. So it's mm-hmm. almost like it's not the Varsity, but it is becoming one of the like iconic restaurants in Atlanta. So it's almost like they identify that. So they're trying to build that brand around the beer. And not only is this now the house beer, and they have their own drafts, but but they've um, they've carried it over into the cans, and so you've got three cans that color is the only differentiation between them and, mm-hmm. and the style itself. So, cheers to a job well done. Beer news, beer news, hear all about it. All right, so this is going to be the section of the show where we talk a little bit about the, eh, it's not as fun as the drinking the beer. However, it's definitely just as important, and especially 
our topics today because there's been some interesting things going on with the Brewers Association um, over the last few weeks that I that yeah. I really kind of wanted to touch on. So, um, you know, an article came out today. We were I, I like to uh, I guess I'm a true beer nerd because I like to read craftbeer.com every now and then and. So I read that the they're coming out, they're rolling out a supporter seal that that's that's really going to allow not just the the Brewers Association members themselves to you know up until this point in time they've kind of had the ability to label themselves as we're independent brewers, but mm-hmm. now this is going to enable supporters of that movement to actually do that as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, in the article, it just states that the Brewers Association is rolling out a new supporter seal for retailers homebrew shops, state brewers guilds, festivals, websites, etc. So any champions of independent craft beer. Um, I think this is a really cool way for companies and um, community members to kind of support the craft um, beer movement in their communities and a great way for them to kind of show off the support um, and build awareness for those um, smaller craft breweries that are kind of up and coming in their communities. I think it's a really cool idea. Oh, I mean, that's definitely cool. Yeah. Cause I mean, like I said, the, the independent piece of craft beer is, you know, so big and I, I find it really, you know, cool that, you know, up until this point in time, I'm not a member of the Brewers Association. So I can't, I guess I can't just throw, you know, I, I homebrew, but that doesn't mean that I can just throw, throw a, uh, a logo on there, but that now I can kind of represent without actually, uh, being a member of the association. So that's that's definitely cool. Yeah, so it looks like in the article that they kind of talked about, um, you know, they, they have a shirt with the logo on it and a an actual seal itself that you can put, um, you know, maybe at your front door of your business or, um, you know, located around, um, you know, uh, town on your website, um, festivals, posted for festivals and things like that. Um, just a really cool way to kind of keep the brewing brewing community like together cool um let's uh let's definitely post a link to that yeah and in, in, in the uh the for the, the bio for this episode yeah i think we'll i, I know i definitely notes. am interested in getting you know snagging some of that some of that apparel um you know it's it's really interesting with all this stuff going on that you just talked about them rolling out this this week rolling out there you know the last few weeks rolling out the new supporter seal because i was just reading recently how dogfish head um you know the founder over there, um, Sam Sam Calzoni. He's he's been big. I've I've actually had a chance to speak, hear him talk mm-hmm. um, on a few different podcasts before, and he's really out outwardly spoken about his involvement in the independent craft beer. He's he's you know other than um, than Sam Adams, they're basically one of the next big players in the independent craft movement, mm-hmm. and they are actually making a huge statement. They released about two weeks ago. They released a statement stating that. On 60 Minute IPA, which is their flagship IPA, they're actually going to be not just putting the logo for the Brewers Association on there, but they're actually going to be putting it on there. And if you, those of you that are familiar with some of their branding, it's that green packaging. It's actually going to be probably about three by by six inches. It's going to be huge, wow, huge on the yeah on the side of the box. So it's 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 kind of big that they're doing that because I mean they really are making a statement. And um, if you want to read more about this, you can actually, in both of these things we just kind of talked about, you can actually go find out about these on craftbeer.com because, you know, I find it really, um, it's 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 huge because, you know, me, I, we all kind of fall into it. We, we drank some of that Terrapin last week, which mm-hmm. I've, I've made a point to say that I, I don't want to say it's unfortunate that, you know, Terrapin was bought out by Miller's, but, you know, they Miller's done some cool things with the beer, but it is one of those, it's, it's almost like a home brewer. It kind of keeps me connected to those independent craft beers to think that 
that they're kind of staying on that small scale. But now that I'm thinking about this, I don't even know what you have to do to be part of that Brewers Association. Like, are there requirements or what are, what are, what's, what is the definition of craft beer? Like, uh, yeah. So uh, another interesting article on craftbeer.com <laughs> <laughs> um, that we were talking about, uh, you know, is the Brewers Association um, every couple years decides that they need to update the definition um, of craft beer. That makes um, sense. It's, it seems to be growing every year, so that makes sense, I guess. So, <laughs> the, you know, they, they just state that the, the industry um, evolves, so the definition should. So the new definition, um, as I believe as of uh, December, is the has to be a small independent brewer. And those definitions, small meaning annual production of 6 million barrels of beer or less. 6 million. You know, that sounds like a lot, but that's still probably about one and a half billion pints of beer. Like, it's crazy to me that that's small in, the, in this country. Yeah, that I shows you how much beer we drink as Americans. <laughs> and that's still small. Yeah. And uh, independent, so meaning less than 25% of craft of the craft brewery is owned and or controlled by a beverage alcohol industry member that is not itself a craft brewery. So it has to be less than 25% owned by a industry member who does not brew you know and i'd be interested to see what the definition looked like or kind of what it's looked like over the last few years and if that's something they're changing year to year because i feel like that's maybe the aspect that's that's kind of newer maybe that they've updated this definition not to say that 25 percent is large in any way but at the same time I mean, it's it's definitely that means that 75 percent of it still has to be owned by an independent, independent. Which, is, which is yeah. awesome but you know i think what they're recognizing is that some of these bigger, you know, the the macro brewers, the Miller Coors, the Anheuser Buschs we've talked about, which I'm I'm not trying to villainize any of them. I think that obviously it's just a different it's a different business model. Yep. It just means that they can kind of come in and maybe potentially put some some people in these breweries to kind of help, you know, just to kind of lend the the distribution. I think that that's a major advantage of some of the macro breweries is that, that they do have that distribution channel. Mm-hmm. And so I like that maybe that definition's been updated to be a percentage of 25 means that that independent brewer is still going to have their their say so in the company, but maybe that macro brewer can come in and really lend a hand. Give think some about advice. It. Think about it. Go to the meetings. Talk to some of these big guys that maybe are you know the, some of these big distribution companies that mm-hmm. are only going to talk to the macro brewers instead. Say, hey, you know what? I own twenty percent of this brewery, or I you know I lend ten percent of the you know kind of the knowledge base going into this, and so. Well, you know, it kind of sounds like a that's still a large percentage that, you know, a big macro brewery can own of a craft brewer that is actually can be smart in some cases. So that's that's cool. I'm glad yeah. they actually have an official definition. So now I know. Now we so, know. Well, cheers to all that. I mean, that's that's great things happening in the independent beer community, obviously, as beer drinkers. So, Definitely. yeah, cheers. awesome. This week, we have a new segment, which we call Collaboration Nation. Uh, we bring you packs of beer or beers that are collaboration between two different breweries this week we have high wire um and revelry revelry oh so i so being a lot of my family's from charleston and this one i'm actually really excited about not only is it our first one that we're doing in this series but so we talked a little about Highwire last week and some yep. of their cool things that they're doing up with uh, Ryan Geist. But this one, Revelry is one of my favorite breweries in the state of South Carolina. So naturally, when I saw this one, the name of this one, I was 
kind of blown away a little bit because I've heard of, so we've all heard of stouts, obviously, and we've got a sec- another section we do called Stouts Anonymous, but this one we wanted to kind of put in the collaboration group because this one is almost just the collaboration of breweries, but also a collaboration of styles. Um, it's a blonde brunch stout. Super interesting. Um, so I, I looked up a little bit of the history behind it. And it's in the the way that they describe it is that they wanted to come up with a stout that you could drink at brunch that isn't super chocolatey, it isn't super roasty, um, like a lot, a lot of the stouts are. So yeah, and this one, I mean, that's and I think what struck me most about this one was okay. So I saw Revelry first. I'm not gonna lie, when I saw this one, that's why I was like, oh, this is gonna be good. But then I saw Blonde Stout. That's a new style I've been hearing a lot about. Um, just because of what you just said, which is it's a style that is, I think what it was, the name stout was scaring a lot of people off from drinking Mm it. Um, and actually in their description of this beer, they kind of describe what they want it to be. And I think why they, and we'll see in a second if they hit it or not, but they literally want it to be a, it utilized a lot of same malts minus the dark malts that make the beer dark. Um, and also they lowered the ABV, so it's not the super high um, ABV. I mean, this one is only 4.8, which is, is kind of surprising. Super weird for a stout, right? But I then mean, again, here we are assuming it's a stout. We might not agree with that correct. so much. So we'll we'll open it in just one second. Actually, Kyle, if you want to go ahead and do the honors of cracking this one, I think that'd be um, – we can go ahead and get it going. I'll talk a little bit more about it. So this one is – I'm interested to see how this happens, but – they actually use cacao nibs to give it that chocolatey flavor that we're kind of used to with a lot of these with these big stouts. Um, so it's also fresh vanilla creates to kind of create that mouthfeel. Which as I'm looking at, Kyle's pouring this beer and huge head retention first of all for uh, and it's not because his terrible pouring skills. I mean I I'm seeing him pour this and it's really not too bad. Oh that looks good. It's it's definitely got that like. Um, creaminess to it which is oh i'm excited to get into this one but got distracted from the description all of a sudden kyle thanks um no so this one it it incorporates the vanilla incorporates the cacao nibs and then also has um coffee from actually two different sources so it's actually got a costa rican coffee from monte Cristol. i think i'm pronouncing that correctly as well as Asheville's high noon coffee roasters which i've heard of but i've had not not had the chance to go to so this the one that's really interesting about this beer, and I think in the name we haven't visited too much, but blonde brunch stout. Um, it apparently has notes of blueberry and lemon in it. Ooh. So, do you want to describe the uh, what? What does this beer look like? Yeah, it's uh, it's extremely golden, and it definitely is a tiny bit hazy, which I was not expecting from um, the stout. Ooh. Um, and it smells really good. That's that smells to die it's for. It's like. It's super oh, roasty in the smell, is. but like the the beer, it literally looks like a so blonde ale. I'm tip, I'm a two coffee a day drinker, yeah. one one or two, some a double in the morning plus one in the afternoon to keep me going. Okay, and I love fresh roasted coffee, and th- yeah, this one is weird. It's looking at it, I see golden, I see basically pale ale is what it kind of looks like. It yeah. almost has an IPA look to it, just because their head retention. I mean, Kyle poured this beer probably two minutes ago at least and it's still a pretty good head head. so um kyle i'm gonna let you take the first sip just because i'm I'm, i don't even get the chocolate in this one so i'm really wondering if it if it carries through to the actual beer itself what do you wow that's really interesting 
I'm really excited to see what your thoughts are on this. That is, yeah, that's, oh, wow. It's definitely coffee forward. Yep. Which, I mean, there's two sources of coffee on this one, so that that makes sense. Um, 4.8, you know, it's 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 a little heavy drinking for 4.8, so I think that's definitely where the stout comes stout. in, which, again, let's revisit the initial, what we said about this beer, it's, or what it's meant to be. It's meant to be that brunch beer that you kind of drink as a midday to afternoon beer not meant to be that late night sipper mm-hmm. um maybe not even probably wouldn't even be good on bourbon barrel and that's that's saying something because i feel like most anything with stout in the name but um it's it has the mouth feel of a stout but has it my eyes are kind of deceiving me because it looks like a gold nail and it's got the coffiness of a stout but that's i I'm very like I'm super intrigued because it's tricking every sense. It's tricking my taste, my smell, and then my head, like my brain from everything that I can think of when it comes to it. That's true because if you close your eyes on this one, I would You'd legitimately think, it was a think stout. I, yeah, I would legitimately think I was drinking a stout. So that's, um, I mean, and it's you know it gets really good ratings. I'm actually on Untapped right now looking at this one and it's got 195 ratings, which I would say typically as long as something's got. 50 ratings, I give it a, you know, we haven't talked much about Untapped on sure. the show yet, yeah. but 50 ratings, in my opinion, is a solid, you can count on the score a little bit, 100, and as it goes up, is even better, but 3.95. Wow. So, I know when I rate beers on Untapped, I typically, if I give it above a 4, that means I'm basically, it's basically the same as just giving a, a, a serious bravo to the brewery, and 3.75 is kind of my, like, I like this beer, it's, it's unique, but not... Like, not that four level. Yep. 3.5 below is kind of my, eh, whatever. But this one I think is very well deserving of 3.95. I would, you know, I, I don't want to skew your opinion. What would you give this beer if you had to rate it? Uh, I'd put maybe like a 4.2. Yeah, I'm with you. Four. Uh, I'd give it a yeah. 4.25, I think. Yeah. Which is, again, 4.5, kind of getting into the upper echelon. Yeah. Unintapped. But this one, just because, again, close your eyes, drink it. Um. Even now, you know, it's looking at it, the it's deceiving me. I would, I, I would, the 4.8, it's between everything about this beer is kind of throwing me up right now. I don't have, yeah. I don't necessarily get the blueberry and lemon that they talk about. I was kind of hoping for like a, I guess, I don't know, maybe I was hoping for like bacon in the beer. I don't know what I was <laughs> expecting or pancakes, maple. I don't know. I, I was probably expecting a lot, but when I read the description, that kind of makes sense. And I definitely think they, you know, hit the nail on the head yeah. with that one. Cause I mean... Again, let's do a quick cheers because bravo to Highwire and Revelry. And by the way, just I know I already said it, but with Revelry, go there. That's a fantastic brew. They have a great rooftop and a, and a little field right by it that you can kind of do whatever you want to play games and whatnot. So, Greens, great finds. All right, so this is the section of our show called Greens, Great Finds, where we walk into our local liquor store, Greens, and find a great find. Now, this could be one of three things. It could either be a great price, a great beer, or a special release. And today, as always, I think we have pretty much a, a conglomeration of all three of those. Mm-hmm. We have Simply Simcoe by Red Hair Brewing. It is a double IPA, and this one is a brand new beer. So it yeah. it almost doesn't... We don't know nothing about it. We're I know. completely unbiased going into it. So let's go ahead and crack this thing real quick. 
Oh man, it pours a amber color almost, which is, it looks really similar to the Laughing Skull that we did yeah. earlier. It's it's not quite that dark, I'd say, but for a double IPA, it is a little bit darker than the norm. Um, definitely good head retention, which you kind of expect with the IPAs. Mm-hmm. Um, it sets them apart. Um this is yeah. This is this is a good looking beer. The 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 can design is almost we almost go featured on Can of the Week, but we've got a great one coming up for that one. So what? Yeah. Why don't you describe this? So the the front of the can, I was looking at it, and I, I it's just got a big hop on it with a you know the red hair bunny on it, and I was we were, you know I picked it up when Chris and I were talking about it before the show, and um, all of a sudden he he turns to me and he says, you know what that looks like? Looks like an orange juice. Yes, it an does. Orange juice bottle. Which um, the the simply Simcoe is written in cursive, similar to or like this the fonts similar to the. You're going to learn something about me today, and it's that graphic design is one of my other many interests. And that I love the uh, I love the can design. I love the topography on this because of the simply Simcoe part. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't necessarily love the name. I don't. I'm a big fan of the kind of the creative names. This one is basic along those terms, but the topography is perfect on this and the way this is laid out so well isn't there a orange juice company that they have a orange juice it's like simply yes the, something or other? and they've started coming yeah that simply orange and it simply orange I, it i didn't even think about that i'm just thinking red hair oh cool there's this big hop in the middle of it with their their hair running through it their mm-hmm. their rabbit but i didn't think anything about the fact that this looks like, and they even put the green around the top of the can to make it look like the um it looks exactly like the Simply Orange yeah. bottle. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Um, so it's a double IPA. It comes in uh, pint cans. So the Tall Boys uh, four pack. Um, 8.8%. Um, little, little. But it's a double. It is, yeah, it's a double. So I'd actually, that's pretty good. You know, and I, and, I, and I want you to go maybe talk a little bit about the taste here in just a second. Sure. But I'm doing the aroma. And the first thing I can say is that I get citrus. Mm-hmm. Like I've, Definitely. Which is, you know. It's weird, but Simcoe, we talked a little bit about it last week, but that's more of a piney hop normally. So I'm curious maybe if this is citrusy. So, I mean, what do you get when you, I mean, have you had a chance to taste it yet? I mean, what do you, what do you get? Because, I mean, this one's, this is, smells citrusy. Yeah, but it definitely comes out kind of piney with a with a small hint of citrus. Like, I wouldn't, it's, it's definitely piney. It smells like another great beer in mm-hmm. the state, which is the Scofflaw Pog. Yep. Um, and their double pog, which we've both had the chance to, to enjoy, and that was, it almost has that aroma to it. It does, but I I get like that clean, just IPA taste. Like it's it's kind of a not in a bad way, a very generic IPA taste, which I actually kind of like. Yeah, um, it's hard, I would say, in the South lately to find a IPA that isn't fruity or something special or anything along, you know. They mix different things in it, um, like habanero or you know <laughs> anything that goes into a beer, really. But um, it's hard to find kind of just that IPA, you know. It's the craft beer revolution. So, yeah. mo- so many people, you you see so many breweries trying to branch out and kind of do the different types of hops. And you know, with the one we had last week, I think it had Vic Secret. Mm-hmm. It had Simcoe actually, and it also had another one. Ella. It had Ella hops, and there was also one we did that had like some it was from New Zealand. One. Yeah, the New Zealand hop, and it's and you see that, but this one is 
you know, I'm looking at the side of the can and they do it. I love it when breweries do this on their IPAs. They actually, I mean, this one in the name tells you what hop they use, but it also says that they use Simcoe, but not says it once. It says it three times, which <laughs> I don't know how you interpret that. Simcoe, but Simcoe, Simcoe. It, that's exactly what it looks like. But I interpret this from a home brewer perspective and I'm looking at this and I say, you know what? It's it's ironic. I mean, it's almost like meant to be a, you know, tongue in cheek kind of mm-hmm. thing. Hey, we use Simcoe on this, but... Really, I think what this means is that they use Simcoe at the three stages of the brewing process. So they use it on the forefront to add the bittering. They use it probably about halfway to late halfway through the brewing process, which really adds the hoppiness you you get. And then the very end, so the very end of the brew, they also added Simcoe one more time. And that's actually where you get the piney scent of it. That's kind of where the aroma comes from. So I think that's actually why they listed it three times on there. Um, This... You know, good on red hair. Good um, on red hair. And and actually, let's touch in real quick because I'm, I'm curious to see what other people think about this beer. Sure. I mean, we're getting to taste it, which is, again, two weeks old. We're not going to have much on it. And Rate Beer doesn't even have anything on this one yet, nope. actually. But luckily, Trusty Untapped does. Good old Untapped. It only has 14 ratings. That's the one downside. <laughs> so I, I'll take this. You know, take it with a grain of, yeah, of uh, salt. There's a there's a margin of error. Or wheat. Yeah, or wheat. Or, or malt. Or yeah. hops. Simcoe. There's, I'm going to give it a little margin of error. Let's put it that way. But it does get a 4.02 out of 5. So that's a solid um, rating. So, and also a little additional information. It's got 88 IBUs, which for a double double IPA, that's about the standard range. Mm-hmm. Um, something I like about this, just while I'm thinking about it, is the fact that it's a lot of double IPAs are a little sweet. Yep. And the reason that is because breweries are trying to hire the alcohol content. So what they do is they add a lot of extra malts to the to the recipe. But what that does is it kind of in turn makes the double IPA sweet because it's almost like, hey, let's throw as much as we can in there and let's hope that the yeast, yeast eats, eats all the... Well, they hope that it eats as much of it as possible, but it's going to leave some of the residual sugars yep. around. So it kind of ends up being sweet. They did a good job with this one of not making it overly sweet, which would really clash with the citrusy of it if they did or the pininess of it so yeah and one thing that i get as well from the taste that um you know a lot i feel like of our viewers that maybe don't like ipas have a a taste for is that when you drink an ipa and you you know the back end taste is so much hops that it almost either makes you not want to drink it or drink more of it mm-hmm. to kind of either counteract or react to the, the the hop flavor. This is kind of really, it rides pretty neutral on the end, which uh, is interesting for the double IPA. Definitely. And, you know, an, another downside that a lot of there is usually using the same hop three times like that is that it doesn't add the complexity, mm-hmm. but it also, it makes it to one note, which... With what you just talked about, it's almost like you have to be very careful with how you use some or any hop, not just Simcoe, when you triple it like they did because it, it almost comes off as to one note. And they actually did a great job of it not being to one note. Actually, has a little bit of complexity. So again, bravo to Red Hair in State Brewery. So we're a little bit biased. Yeah. Um, go out and pick this one up, everyone, because this is this is a fantastic beer. I really hope that if you're listening to this and you're in the state of Georgia. Hopefully you get to get this because this is really good. I hope it's on draft somewhere. Unfortunately, other states, I know Red Hair's distribution footprint probably isn't, doesn't branch much outside the Southeast. But if you have a chance to have, if you know anyone in Georgia, have them pick this up for you. Give, you know, give us your take on it because I think that 
this is a good job on their part. Yeah, so. it's a great find. It was, you know, and and for a four pack of Tall Boys, oh yeah, eight point eight. It was only ten bucks. I forgot this was a great, great finds, which is you know, why again, is this is the super trifecta. great find. Yeah, this is the trifecta. This is interesting. It's a great price, but it's also a, a unique beer. So and it just yeah. yeah, it just came out. And it just came out, so we know it's unique. Great beer didn't even have any ratings on it yeah. yet. So so go cheers, go grab some. Cheers, the red hair. Can of the week. This week's can of the week is actually a bottle. <laughs> we kind of went against the norm there, didn't we? Yeah. Um, but it's a special can of the week. We put it at the end of the show this week because we are celebrating the fact that all or that our first podcast is actually up on all major podcast services. Um, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Google Play Music, Google Podcasts. It's up. It's up. And our website, um, which is great. And and it's going to be the bomb. We went from <laughs> we went from a an idea, a conceptual idea a month ago to actually having a podcast, which is great. Uh, I just want to say thanks, Chris, for in putting up with my shit and enjoying talking about beer. Of course. Um, so this week we actually have a beer from Prairie Artisan Ales out of Oklahoma. Ooh, that's a mouthful. Yeah. Out of Oklahoma. Um, it in, and it's called Birthday Bomb. Um, and in particular, this is the 2018 vintage. The 2018 so. edition. Um, the label is super cool. Um, it's like hand-drawn, like cartoon-style, uh, you know figures on it 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 almost looks like they're wrestling yeah that's it's it's um, actually got us three characters that are represented throughout the entire motif i'm if you're familiar okay. with any of prairie's artwork on any of their bottles not just particular to their you know famous bomb uh series they're very um there's there's three characters and they're represented throughout the entire piece of art because it really is a piece of art that's why we chose this one as our can of the week or mm-hmm. bottle of the week this week it's got a single woman and two men, um, all represented in primary colors. Um, they are wrestling in a sense. Yeah. And it's, in it's almost socks like a, and jumpsuits. In socks and jumpsuits. She's got blue hair, kind of like Marge Simpson. Wow, he, they all have opposite color hair. So the guy had, the guy wearing blue has uh, yellow hair and see, the guy wearing red has blue hair. Didn't even notice. Interesting. And um, then... So the the quick history of this beer is that so they've got the the bomb which the the whole the prairie bomb is a very it's a, one of rate beers top rated beers I mean it gets what a hundred percent hundred percent yeah and so what they did was they started coming out with beers or variations of the beer itself so this one is is birthday bomb and real quick I'm gonna crack this thing sure I'm, I'm go for it to get into it yeah um, um I'll I'll talk a little bit more about the bottle you know the label design so. Um, it, it, it has on the, on the sides, uh, the other sides of the wrestling people, um, like 3d geometric steps and buildings, um, with people falling down, uh, the steps are like going into the buildings. Um, they're all primary colors, red, yellow, blue. Um, and it's, it's super eye catching. Um, when Chris popped it out of the bag today, I'd, I was like, wow, that is actually really cool. It's definitely a piece of art. You can tell that somebody put time into creating this label, and it wasn't something that they just whipped up. Um, it's it's a really, really cool label. 
Yeah, and this one, so they actually came out with um, Birthday Bomb for their third anniversary, and it had a completely different label, um, very similar to the rest of the Prairie labels, which is very colorful, very... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, imp- not impressionistic. Gosh, I took art history. Uh, well, I took art history in high school. I should be better at this. This is very motif driven. Yes. Um, and it's, you know, it's got something. So this is actually the fourth iteration, I believe, okay. of the beer. Um, but ju- it's just a quick about the beer. It's 13% alcohol. So this one's no joke. So uh, again, I'm going to let you be the expert on kind of what you see. So tell me what you see. Uh, when you, now it's poured into the glass. It's black. <laughs> like I, it, there's no chance of seeing through this sucker at all. This isn't hazy. This is black. Um, it's black like my soul. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it's but it's definitely nah, um, it's it it's a coffee imperial stuff. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, this one is. Um, um, so real quick, so just to make sure we're all on the same page, this is a the the regular bomb. So it is a imperial stout, which 13. No no lie. It's aged on coffee, cacao nibs, vanilla beans, and chili peppers. So that's where the bomb kind of comes in. Is that it's that last one I mentioned there? Is the chili peppers? This is the birthday bomb, which actually means they added something a little different. They have a couple different iterations of this. They have a Christmas bomb. I saw it at the store recently too. Maybe we'll get to drink that one at some point in time. But that one has spices in it, for example. So, but this one has um, caramel sauce. Apparently, yeah, that was the added, that was the added kind of little thing at the end. So. What's your original take? I saw you took uh, that first sip. What do you think? Man, it, it's it's really good. It's very complex. There's a lot of notes going on. Um, you could definitely can taste the coffee. Um, you get the the cacao nibs um, kind of like right up in your face. You get a small hint of vanilla towards, I'd say, middle to the back end of it. And then just a little bit of bite. It's it's not a lot from the, the pepper, but... I feel yeah. like the more you drink it, I'm sure the more you're going to taste it. Um, if, you, if you let it kind of stay in your mouth for just a second, kind of like you're drinking wine, you know, yeah. fancy. If you let it sit there for a second, you'll definitely get the pepper. I, I did. And it's, you know, th- there's some pepper beers and that we've had that maybe are a little bit more forward with the pepper. This one's mm-hmm. very subtle, which is why I think that this is such a highly rated beer. I mean, because they don't. They don't make the pepper the the over underlying like exactly what you taste. They kind of make it very subtle. So um, this one is so I really I want to talk about it on. Um, we've talked about rate beer. It gets a perfect hundred. So there's not much I can talk bad about <laughs> it. But but Untapped also gives it rave reviews. Um, over nine thousand ratings on this beer. Wow. That is, that Keep is that in mind. Nine thousand ratings. Nine thousand. The um, rating is a 4.27 out of five. Wow. So while that's not a hundred, I've rate Open beers that, that top tier. Yeah, exactly. So by comparison to rate beer, rate beer is, is not, it's a little bit more select with who reviews the beers. Um, whereas untapped is very much the social platform for doing it. And yep. over, with over 9,000 ratings, it still gets well above a 4.0. I mean, it's well into that range. And so I think that they, Definitely got the right rating on this one. Um, you know, I've had a lot of these Imperial Stouts. It's I, I think I've mentioned this before. It is my favorite beer style. Um, this one is a celebratory beer. I think this is a perfect occasion um, to drink this. I mean, mm-hmm. celebrating this. But this is this is bottle of the week. So I I would be remiss to not kind of mention that you know 
do you look see Waldo when you look at that by chance? I can't. <laughs> you get I, one of the, that feel like I, I where keep, where's Waldo? Exactly. I, I keep looking, and if you kind of look closely at some of the label, you'll actually see the characters themselves kind of mixed in through mm-hmm. the label. Yeah, and for being thirteen percent, um, I don't get that when I drink it, which is interesting. Like normally, when you you have a higher you know alcohol content beer, when you take a drink of it, you definitely get hit with a little bit of that alcohol feel um to it but this definitely like with the complexity and all the flavors that they have it definitely not that it hides it but it it kind of um intertwines with the alcohol content that it makes it 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 makes it a solid mixture a very complex solid mixture and by comparison i mean i appreciate you bringing up the boozy aspect of this because at 13 percent, that's so in the state of Georgia, 14% is as high as you can go. Actually, you can't even go to 14%, really. You have to stop 13.9. I was going to say you have to stop at 13.9. Um, I I don't – I wonder if they make this at a higher alcohol content because I know that a lot – you know, in Oklahoma, I don't know what the, the limit is, but I know this is at exactly 13%. And I'm wondering if they even make this higher in some states mm-hmm. just because they can. But in Georgia, you can't. This is at 13. Um, you don't necessarily taste it, which is really cool – Comparing it to the blonde stout we had earlier, which was very coffee forward and light, this, yep, but very light. Yeah, this one is almost not as coffee forward, but I get it. I get the coffee when I taste it. I drink it. I definitely get the chocolate actually when I'm, which yeah. is the cacao nibs, not the the cacao nibs. Cacao, um, cacao. But it's I definitely get that. The vanilla is the one I'm trying to find. I it's I'd, hidden. I feel like I yeah. feel like it's there. For like the back end, if it what it's almost like a fill, like a like a drum fill, right? In a song, like yeah. If you take it out, it sounds so bland. But if you put it in there, it just sounds natural. Um, I'm, I bet you it's kind of just hidden in the background there a little bit. Definitely, and one, well, it's a birthday beer. I was kind of thinking like birthday cake when I was when I first was taking a sip of it, and maybe I was biased because I was trying to get that taste to it, but. I don't know. The the vanilla is, the vanilla is a hard one when it comes to beer. I mean, I've I've tried um, for homebrewing. I've tried doing a I think it was a vanilla porter, and vanilla is very hard to get in the beer. I mean, that's a, such a process of having to you have to take the seeds out of the vanilla and everything, but you still don't quite infuse them in the beer. But I mean, I feel like if you're doing vanilla, you either go light or it goes way too heavy on which, the vanilla, right? Very so true. And I like that it's on the light side i feel like if it had more vanilla it would almost overpower a lot of the other flavors it tastes like birthday cake it does taste a little like birthday cake i mean i'm okay with the birthday cake if you like a coffee birthday cake if you like well with with some peppers in it you know what i don't get though is the caramel which yeah which is a bummer because i was really that's one that you don't find in beer too often is caramel and so the fact that it was added is 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 kind of a cool thing to add to a beer. I mean, you get a lot of that like peanut butter, coconut, mm-hmm. those types of flavors a lot, but not so much caramel. So I was excited to try that, which maybe I'm just well, now I'm smelling the beer and it, I do actually kind of smell caramel, I feel like, but it's because I yelled caramel from the other room while you were uh, smelling it. Caramel. You know what? That goes a long way. The the um <laughs> suggestive marketing. Yeah. So they call it. You know, and I'm looking just get back to the bottle again. I'm looking I keep getting something different every time I look at this, which is what I love about designs like this. You keep getting something different. Maybe it was because I watched 
Harry Potter last night, but it kind of <laughs> reminds me of the staircase in, yeah. in Harry Potter, the, the changing staircase yep. that goes. There's, um, I can't think of what it is, but it's the there's a famous work of art as well that's kind of that 3D, like oh. stairs going upside down and kind of like the three-dimensional... Um, uh, yeah, it's Salvador it. Dali. A lot of Salvador Dali's type work is, yeah. is very... That's more aspect driven. I know the exact one you're thinking of. Yeah. And again, my art history is just escaping me right now. But shame on us. But I'm glad you brought that up because while it doesn't, Kandinsky is one of my favorite artists and it actually has that type of look to it. He's a very much a modernist in his art. Um, He is Russian by, I mean, of course, I love the Russian culture, but he's Russian by um, birth Mm -hmm. and he's a very modern art driven artist. artist and this actually kind of looks a little bit like his types of type of work and it's probably why i was drawn to to getting this bottle today but i think that this is the perfect cap to a second episode and by the time this comes out we'll officially officially released our first episode so i mean this is any final words i mean about either the bottle the show no uh i i think it it's great to enjoy beer with you and uh, to go on this journey of the beer podcast so cheers to that cheers and as always you can find us at multigoodness.com or our social channels multigoodness on facebook and multi goodness podcast on Instagram. Uh, and as of this episode, check out Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play for all of our episodes up to date. Currently, two more to come. Stay tuned because we are going to have more coming at you, and we're really excited about it.